Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live Stevevich, and we are recovering from E3 in episode 126 today, June 13th, 2019. We're going to catch up with each other real quick before we dive into the nitty gritty, which of course, our topic being... 2019 E3 impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located in this detailed section below. Steve? Yeah, Russ. What a week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on E3 overload. Yes, I, I know uh, what you mean. Man. E3 is, is just about over. I think we. it's safe to say, it being Thursday night, that the... Uh, I think the final kind of big piece of information is wrapped up. Yeah, Yeah, it's uh, it's been played out, pretty much done. It's good. It's it's as good as it's gonna be. There you go. Yeah, there you go. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on on the various. I know you are press conferences. I know you are, Russ. And uh, the games that were shown, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I do look forward to that. So yeah. Other than you binge watching <laughs> all of the different <gasps> announcements, have you had any time to uh, do other things this week? Um, you know, it's funny when I think back about uh, myself binge watching all E3 extravaganzas. I feel like Jim Carrey as the Riddler from Batman Forever when he's on information overload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel. So I watched a movie, Russ. Oh. Uh, it's called- <laughs> uh, but actually, before you get into that, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about how Jim Carrey at the end, you know, when he turns off his little device and he sits there and he's like, ah! Ah! is that how you're feeling at the end of E3? Mm, yeah, kind of more like how all the information is being filtered into his head and he's just there going. <laughs> 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 I have a feeling that next year's E3 will probably be more like the part I was describing where he says, what a rush! Yeah. Because I I, that definitely does not fit this year, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. So, what movie did you watch, Steve? So, I watched the movie Hostels with uh, Christian Bale. Hostels. 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 Yes. <laughs> Now, I remember when this preview came out, and I, I, somehow it passed me up. I mean, I remember seeing the name. I have heard of this. I, I'd probably, you probably haven't, right? Were there hostels and hostels? There was hostels and hostile territory. Now, were... <laughs> did the hostels stay in a hostel in the movie Hostels? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but... Uh, so, unlike the other movie just called Hostel... Nothing like I like that I did see one that happened. one. I didn't see that one all the way through. I didn't really, yeah. <laughs> a little intense there. Not my, uh, not my bag baby. Mm-hmm. So this one's a Western. And I forgot why I got it until I started watching it. Right. Hmm. Why I got it is because I was reading how Rockstar was getting... Uh, their uh, influence for Red Dead, mm-hmm. right? They're you know looking at movies and stuff, and this was one of the movies they watched for their creativity. Really? 
So you you watch the movie and you see a lot of the landscapes that transports you right back to the game. It's craziness. Okay. I mean, it looks like they 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 got the landscape inspiration from this movie and put it in the game. It's it's nuts. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, so the movie's good. Uh, Christian Bale is redonk in it. He's. Uh, I, I, Who else is in it? Oh, there's a, there's a, oh, you know, I, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I was, and I told myself, self, don't forget the other actress's name. And I forgot her name. I'll look her up in a second. It should be fairly uh, close by on my MDIB. Well, sure, sure. But the, uh, the story is okay. Um, but the acting is over the top. It's very, very good. Um, however, uh, I went back. And started looking at IMDb trivia mm-hmm. and some factual stuff here and there, and the movie's off point with when in that regard, as far as like okay, what happened in 1892, and um, you know, did they have railroad then? Did they have pensions then? Did they have you know whatever? And a lot of the facts are pretty much off, but sure. the acting is spot on. Is it? Now? I will say it again, Russ. Christian Bale is at his finest. Yeah, that man is a very talented, skilled actor. I I have really thoroughly enjoyed his performances in a number of movies. Rosamund Pike is the actress in it. And she does a very good job as well. Just as good as Bale, I would say. Uh, but it's it's scripted very well. Uh, Cinematography is great. They're all on location. And, And you know... You, I know that you know that I know that I that that that's good stuff. Okay. No, no green screen. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, enjoyed it. I recommend it to you. Watch it. Pick it up. I don't know about. Oh, I don't know about pick it up. But well, knowing that I have lots of time on my hands these days, <laughs> I might just take you up on that recommendation. So otherwise, I watched. Uh, actually, no, I didn't watch anything else. I I've been playing Spider Man. Good. Getting farther, I hope. Yes, I uh, defeated, no spoilers. I defeated somebody in the <laughs> game who has little things sprinkled out Manhattan. Yes, things that blow up. Yes, and uh, so I beat him. I think I have only two more suits to unlock. So, are you impressed with the number of other suits that have appeared? Yeah, they're okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're all, they're all, I mean, I, it's awesome that there's so many of them to choose from, but I'm not really amped to unlock all of them. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah I can pass on that. I'm not getting on it. I would say like 90% at least I thought were really cool. There's one that I kind of want to get. It's like the cartoon Spider-Man. Yep. Yep. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I want to get, uh, I want to get that one, but uh, I mean, there's a few that I want to get, but. You know, I'm not, not in any kind of rush. You know, oh, good. Rush. That's good. You still enjoying the game? Still enjoying the game immensely. It's a great game. I'm almost done unlocking all of the uh, the attack moves. Very nice. Yeah, I hope you're being judicious with your uh, ability points that you've been accumulating. Haven't been too frivolous in your spending. Well, the ability points, I mean, the, are, you, are you talking about the skills or are you talking about the, the like the tokens you get for unlocking suits? Because those are more limited to the ability points. I'm like gaining levels like crazy. I don't remember exactly what they are, but they essentially are what you use to like buy more gadgets, buy like like just unlock certain abilities that are more, I guess, gadget based, perhaps. 
So Oh, I've hardly even been unlocking gadgets. I use my gadget on my left hand and my gadget on my right hand. Thunder and lightning, baby. That's what I use. Yeah, I'd have to look at it again, but I recall there there are certain trees that you can spin something on, and it's important to not just go willy-nilly with it. Like, you have to strategize because there's a finite amount uh, that you can unlock in the game. So... I haven't unlocked any of those, apparently. All right. Well, that's that's good, Steve. It yeah. might be the suits. I I can't remember if it's the suits or the gadgets. It's something. It's something, Steve. And I ended up being happy with um, just the way I went about it um, all the way through the end of the game. I, I think I unlocked almost everything that I wanted to unlock. So I was pleased as punch. Ah, nice. What else did you do this week Steve or did you just not have time I did not have much more time like I, like you said in the beginning I've been binge watching E3 madness um, <laughs> when I get home after dinner and I'm full and I'm tired and I'm trying to stay awake yeah I understand <laughs> I completely understand so I ended up watching I introduced my daughter to Finding Nemo oh I wish I was here for that. I have not watched that movie in years. It's my, I, one of my favorites. You know, I could have swore that I owned that on like Blu-ray DVD or something. It's not in my library. I'll give it to you. How because you I want because I have it. I own it. I what do I own? I, th- I know I have it on DVD, if not Blu-ray. So I'll give you a copy because I want to go. I want to go buy it in fork. <laughs> in fork. Yes. No. I understand. Um, I was really surprised about that. But so. Uh, it's a big thing to me to be able to slowly introduce my daughter to Pixar films. It's something that I have been looking forward to ever since I was in college and just thinking like, as I was watching these various films in the theater, I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be so cool to be able to like sit her down and watch with her these films. What I think is really crazy is that back when Finding Nemo was in the theater, which I think was like around 2003, I want to say, a while ago. Um, what was interesting about it was that for its time, like when I saw it, I was floored. I could not believe how good the just the, the graphics looked, the, the CGI, how wonderful the animation was. And t- to this day, the animation is still like really, really yeah. good. What's crazy is that um, looking at it by today's standards, it actually looks dated. Huh. And it is crazy because there are, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of scenes that just look really beautiful. They're just, it's a really well done film, but I have always had this type of, of response to this media, this, this, or I should say medium of art where, and it's in video games too. Like you'll be playing a game that's brand new and you're blown away by it. You can't believe how amazing it is. And you think, gosh, how can they make it possibly better? And then you don't play it for a while and you come back to it, say, 10 years later and you realize, oh, my gosh, this thing is like so basic and so dated. And it's interesting because the commonality between those two things is the fact that that they're computer graphics. And it's just interesting because computer graphics is an industry where they're constantly improving upon the tech. They're constantly improving the rendering engine or the... Um, the the approach or the function of actually sculpting and modeling the characters or the environments or whatever, or perhaps it's the texture mapping or the ray tracing, whatever it is, there's always 
different kind of points that these different areas are at any given point in, in time. And it's just crazy how we're always looking to like the, the next best thing. And I suppose that could be t- talked about as well with say like a normal movie. Like if you're watching a, a movie from like the 1940s or 1950s, for instance, they're, they clearly are not going to have the same level of clarity and crispiness and visual effects, sophistication, that sort of thing as we have today. However, the stories of the stories are fantastic. They stand the test of time. And I think that's exactly what it is with Finding Nemo, where like I can tell Finding Nemo has gotten somewhat dated over time. However, the story is just terrific. It's such a great father-son story. And it's a buddy story too with Dory and, and Marlon, that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely really, really fun. Um, and my daughter liked it. Good. How she should. You know, they, the one part, the only one part in the movie which I don't care for is the part where Dory talks to the whale. Uh-huh. That part is like telling the same joke three or four times in a row. And that's the only part of the movie that I don't like. The rest of the movie from start to finish is fantastic. I I know what you're talking about because when the the movie first came out, everybody thought it was hilarious. It was like actually really... I, I actually didn't think it was funny. I remember you talking oh, really? about it. And yeah, and I remember I went to see you uh, and when you you came with a bunch of your buddies and, and you guys were <clears> laughing <throat> about it and talking with it. I was like the only guy who didn't think it was funny. Oh. So I didn't say anything. Uh, but I've always thought it wasn't funny, Ross. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're learning something new every day. Uh, so the other thing is that... We, of course, on Wednesday night, we twitched Cuphead. Oh, man. And for those of you who don't know, we've been stuck at kind of the last level, the, the last boss yeah. area. And we got so close. Like, like, there was one point where we actually made it to the ending of the dice guy. I don't even know what his name is. But like, <laughs> no one has a name anymore. They're just people. They're just yeah, they're just these monstrosities. But... I, I I think you had perished by that point and I was just taking them on by myself trying to figure out how to do it and I actually got pretty far. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, Steve, I played it again today and I'm here to tell you there was some, uh, some payback that occurred. Oh, so, you played without me? I did, Steve. I wanted to beat this guy so badly. So as you can see, I'm making my way across the uh, the roulette table. And here we go. I'm fighting him. So what you're doing is parrying on the pink cards, which you're allowed to do in the game. And you see that like this marching monstrosity of these different poker cards coming at me. All aces by, by you. As you can see, I'm handling it like a boss. Hey, as you, I take on the boss. Yeah, he's shooting him up the nostril there, too. So he's leaning over the poker table, basically, and laughing at you. So he's flicking the cards. Now, I make a boo-boo right here where I waited too long to launch my ultimate, so it really doesn't do anything oh, at all. Oh, good job. Yeah, like, that was oh, a race. Threw off my, my mojo a little bit there, but, you know, I regained it. I'm like, okay, I got two hit points. Yeah. I'm doing my thing. He doesn't do any other attacks, apparently. He's just kind of throwing the car. Oh, you oh, got now hit Now I'm again. down to one hit point. 
Still doing his marching of the cards. And there you go, Steve. The man. dice man was knocked out. I was so thrilled with that. What grade you get? Yeah, it was a it was a pretty good grade. You know? Yeah, let's take a parry three out of three, super meter five out of six, skill meter two. We got a B minus. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to get anything lower than a three for parry when you're parrying it on like 1800 times. Yeah, exactly. However, it is not the end of the game, Steve. Well, I well, yeah. Don't you have to go through the other doors? <sighs> you you do. You have to go yeah, through the other uh, doors, uh, and uh, that, uh. my brother, is where the devil resides. <laughs> and you have to fight him. And I, I believe that is the final boss fight. But we are finally past man that freaking area where we had to go through and fight boss after boss after boss to try and get through that. And so then we have to snap the devil to death. That's right. That's torture right there. Now, what's interesting is actually before you fight him, he gives you a choice. There's a choice screen where he says, oh. do you want to join me? Because oh, he's he's asking you for the contract. Remember all those contracts yeah. that, that we've been collecting the whole time? Right. There is a screen where you get to make a choice of either giving him those soul contracts and joining his team or not. <laughs> and I said, hell to the no. <laughs> and yes, that pun is intended. Reminds me of uh, the movie Devil's Advocate. You either want the vanity, and you go this, the way of vanity, or you go the straight and narrow. There you go. So anyway, the next time we play, which hopefully will be uh, next week's Twitch, maybe we will be able to defeat the devil. <laughs> and finally, put the game to bed. Put the game to bed. But let me tell you, it, I was so thrilled when I did that today. I was just like, I, I, I made it through all the other bosses too, mind you. It was like five fights I had to do without you. So you're welcome. Thank you, Russ. Mm-hmm. Well, let's segue right into E3 because I know that's what everybody is wanting us to talk about. I want to go first <laughs> this time. Yeah, why don't you go on ahead? So, now I'm going to interrupt you. No, okay. Now, nah, just go ahead. <laughs> I would say the overall E3 was what I, I expected it to be, honestly. If you recall when we were giving our 2019 E3 predictions last week, I was talking about how this seems to be probably an off year just because in 2020, I'm expecting there to have all the, the big hoopla, the big, big guns being shown, all the new next-gen systems, probably a lot of just, just amazing games that um, have been behind closed doors and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm not surprised really when it comes to that. I do think that... Um, it, it E3, how do I even say this? Going back to last week as well, you know, we talked about how we had a mutual concern about the future of E3 because of this growing trend that's happening where different companies are now going away from doing press conferences back to back and instead having just like perhaps a presence on the E3 floor. And I think that that is very detrimental to the future of E3. But I also think, too, it's just kind of a bummer in terms of 
the gaming culture and community where E3 has been for a long time now, just the, the central hub where all these companies come together, but also all the gamers come together and we're able to celebrate the hard works of all these different studios and they get to show off and wow us and build up the hype machine for the Christmas season. It's just a fun thing to do that to look forward to midway through the year. And I, I think that it's in real danger just because of certain decisions that are being made. Like for instance, Sony, um, and we can get more into this later, but you know, Sony opting out of a press conference, EA opting out of a press conference. You're you're having and Nintendo, of course, too, doing their thing, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I I felt as though there was kind of a cohesiveness quality that was missing this year. It felt more fragmented. It felt like like it was incomplete. It just felt like it was kind of discombobulated. But having said that, there were certain titles that I enjoyed looking at and everything else. And we can get into that as we drill down. But what are, what are your high level thoughts? I'm well, high level thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think going back to last week, I think my two sides of the coin were okay. Microsoft has the opportunity to they hit it out of the park because they're going to be the, the main headliner there the only headliner there it's either going to be you know, microsoft and sony uh and they're going to be duking it out or in this case it's just me microsoft so they have a big opportunity to make all the headlines and sony's not there or they're going to fall flat on their face and they're, they're going to play it safe because of what's been happening with e3 and people noticing that a lot of these games no matter if it's you know on microsoft or third party or whatever it is um they're noticing these promises that are made, and then when you get right down to it, um, sometimes stuff doesn't look the way it should look. So there's a higher level of scrutiny that that's on them. And then I said, okay, well, what they have to do is <laughs> show us something new because in the last couple of years, they've kind of showed us the same exact thing. Yeah. So hopefully if they play their cards right, <laughs> no pun intended to Cuphead, uh, <laughs> Then they could they could make some some real headlines. I I think they were really playing it safe. I I think there's a huge unknown with what Sony's going to do, and so Microsoft doesn't want to reveal all the secrets. At the same time, um, they didn't really wow us with anything new they made us more excited about what's already coming but we already knew that stuff was coming right so it's hard to get all hot and bothered about the future when you don't have really anything new to reveal i mean and, and new i mean like new you know a plus crazy looking stuff no you know how anthem looked from the very beginning um, I didn't really, I didn't see any of that stuff. I saw a lot of, and across the board too, not just with Microsoft, but across the board, I, I saw a lot of graphics that I've already seen, storylines I've already seen, type, right. type genres of games I've already seen. Um, I don't know. I, um, I just wasn't too thrilled. I wasn't too impressed. I, I'm just being, <laughs> just being real. Well, and that's why I was talking about how, um, this particular year there, like it was just, it was more of a. Uh, in between year. And I think that that was definitely intentional, but it's not supposed to be though. That's the thing. It's not, I mean, the E3 is not supposed to be filler. 
Well, see, and I think that that's, it goes back and forth because I do believe that there were new titles that were really cool to look at. And at the same time, I think that the fragmentation of this year, like I said, it acted as a detriment to the overall experience of being a gamer tuning into E3. And so, like, for instance, like, in the past, you could have one of the headliners, like, for instance, either Microsoft or Sony. If you recall in 2017, Microsoft's press conference was not very good. But... Sony's press conference was awesome. They had all kinds of great things that they were uh, checking out and and um, and showing. I mean, if you recall, they had like Spider Man and the uh, the Colossus, and well, they had uh, God of War and like just all these 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 terrific looking games. And so that made up for the lackluster showing of Microsoft. And then if you think of 2018, it was the reverse where. Microsoft had a fantastic showing, but Sony's was kind of, eh, it was like, okay, but not right. really all that great. So there was always kind of like this balance, counterbalance kind of thing. And then it, sometimes you'll get all of the companies who are showing off crazy amounts of stuff. And you're like, wow, like that's when right. you are completely blown away. So, well, this one also, they decided to fill a lot of the time with talking. There was a ton of talking. I mean, there were... I think it depends on wh- which show that you're you're looking at. I think a lot of the other shows. I think Microsoft actually really didn't have that much talking. They probably had the least yeah. talking, but they still had a lot. I would say a lot of the other ones, like Ubisoft, had a ton of talking. Bethesda had a ton of talking. Square had a ton of talking. Square Square had, a, yeah, they had. A, I I don't think they had as much as Bethesda or Ubisoft, but they did have a, their fair share of of chatting. A lot of chatter. Chatter, a little too much chatter, a little too much chatter in the chatterbox. <laughs> so anyway, let let's take it um, one at a time. So we've already talked about uh, where we started talking about Microsoft. I think it was it was terrific to be able to see more of these games that we saw from last year. Having said that, though, I wanted to see some new titles, and we and honestly, we we really didn't see anything from their new developers. I think right. there was maybe one title that they sh- kind of sort of showed from Obsidian, but it was it just wasn't really ready yet and everything right. else. And so that was a bit of a bummer because here they have you know from last year they touted how they acquired like three or four new studios under the Microsoft label. And so I was expecting to see something from them <laughs> and there, there just wasn't. Right. And, and honestly, I think what's probably happening is those studios are developing titles for the next Xbox system. Right. I think that's what it is. I think next year is when they're going to reveal all those cards. They're going to show what it is that they're working on. And that'll be hopefully great. Well, at this point, I think they have to. I think that's, I hope that that's the truth yeah. because I'm, I, I thought, well, come Christmas, what am I looking forward to buying? Like, I don't really want anything until spring next year. Well, and you touch on something interesting. I, did you notice how almost every, like, like big, hotly anticipated title that was shown, not just with Microsoft, but all the different studios, they're all coming out, like, around the March time frame of yeah. next year. Like, it's, it's the most bizarre thing to me, but it's almost like the end of the first quarter of the year is becoming kind of like the place and time for big titles to drop. 
That's just weird. Like, why would they choose that? I'm, I, I'm, have, I have a guess. Oh, go ahead, Steve. I have a guess. Sorry to interrupt you there, Russ. No, that's, that's quite all right. I think they're doing this because Sony typically drops their new system earlier in the year and they drop it scarce throughout the course of the year all the way until Christmas to keep the demand really up. So if you buy some of these hotly anticipated titles that are on that are cross platform and maybe backwards compatible from like PS4 to PS5, then you could get you can still play those games on your PS5 and hold the excitement versus if they drop the system but you can't play these new anticipated titles only on your PS4, then why are you excited for the PS5? And I think they're doing that for that one reason. That'd be that's my guess. Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure what to make of it. Um, part of me thinks about how they, you know, some of these companies are publicly traded, so they need to have some kind of title that drops and allows their stock price to remain healthy for them to be of their first quarter earnings reports. But at the same time, too, I'm, I, that's just an awful lot of titles to drop during that same time frame. And I think there were others too that were more like the kind of the second quarter. I think that you had you had a group of them that were dropping in March and then you had another group of them that were dropping in May. It was it was like right in those those two little little pockets of time. But you really didn't see anything that was talking about coming out for Christmas. Right. And I think that that will change, honestly, uh, by next year's E3. I think next year's E3, you're going to have the systems that are going to be probably dropping in November. That seems to be kind of like the time period, which makes sense because Christmas is right around the corner. And then they're going to have a bunch of launch titles that are going to be debuting with a system launch. So you're going to have that as well. Uh, but yeah, that it, it, as a side note, yeah, that, that is interesting how you had multiple studios choose those timeframes for a lot of those different games. So. Right. Now, one of the highlights, I would say one of the highlights of the entire E3 was, of course, the reveal that Keanu Reeves was going to be a big part of Cyberpunk 2077. Well, I think that was the best part of the entire show, period. Yeah. Right? For me, anyway, that was the best part of the entire show. And, of course, getting Keanu Reeves to come out onto the Xbox stage, that was terrific. It was, he, you know, that was such a, sh a shrewd move by CD Projekt Red to include Keanu. Like, if they can choose any celebrity... There are plenty out there that would not be a good fit for that game. And Keanu is such, I don't know what it is, but he totally fits right. in that genre of game. Right. And I think it's even more of a shrewd move by Microsoft to have him come out and, and you know physically endorse this game as well. And the crowd just they lost that, it. I mean, and was, it was so fun. Like nothing was awkward about it. He was loving it too up there. He was having the time of his life. He loved the crowd. The crowd loved him. He didn't take too long to talk about anything. Um, I, I, that was the highlight of the entire show. I loved that part of the show. Yeah, yeah. I I think I agree. I think that was probably my my favorite part of the entire show. I I was just so excited to see him up there and to see him in the game and to see more of the game. What's interesting is that we didn't really see a ton more, but I'm okay with that because last year they had like a 45 minute gameplay demo. I mean, like, I don't need to see any. Honestly, I don't want to see any more. Right, yeah. 
I want to be able to just just know that they're still working on it. And I think the Keanu Reeves reveal was perfect. It's all I need. It's like, yeah. you know, as if the game needed to be any cooler, right. they have Keanu Reeves in it. And it's like, oh, that, that's that's just terrific. I wonder how much Microsoft is really paying CD Projekt Red because this is the second year in a row where this game has been unveiled or released or showed, exhibited with the Microsoft showing like their, their, their conference. It's not like the CD project red conference where they come out and talk about anything. They're showing it on stage. Oh, Microsoft. Well, CD project red, I think they only make like two games. I think they make their, their Gwent title and they, and they're working on whatever kind of like standalone title, like Witcher three, or in this case, cyberpunk 2077, the game is coming out for the, the PS4. I, mean, I know, I know. It's cross-platform, but yeah. it's not revealed on the on. It wasn't revealed last year on Sony's booth, right? It was revealed on Microsoft. So two years in a row, I'm wondering if there's going to be something exclusive. Maybe that CD Projekt Red's doing for Microsoft. I mean, that's. I would I would I would venture to say so. I, by the way, Steve, have locked in my collector's edition of Cyberpunk 2077. Aww. I would advise you that if you are interested in getting said collector's edition, you might want to act quickly because they're selling out fast. What do you get with the collector's edition? Because I'm not a hoarder of random stuff like that, like you are. (laughs) You get this plastic figurehead. (laughs) You get stuff in a closet and never look at it again until you open it five years later. You get a Keanu Reeves blow-up doll. (laughs) So you do get a statue. It comes with a, a cyberpunk statue, which is actually really cool. It, it, I can't exactly describe it well, but essentially, apparently one of the vehicles in the game is this cool futuristic looking motorcycle. The motorcycle, the statue itself is like, there's this dude, the cybernetically enhanced dude who's getting run over and crushed by your motorcycle that's doing an endo. It's like going up like this. A stoppy. And your character is leaping off the bike. It's like frozen in time. So like his feet are the only parts that are actually still attached to the bike. And he's like diving horizontally with his guns out. I mean, it looks really dynamic. Granted, it's not going to be as detailed or cool looking as like a prime one studio statue, but that would cost a whole lot more money than what this is. And so I think this will be a a nice little (laughs) memento. The game by itself, $60. The game with a Prime One statue, eight hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> or a thousand. So, and actually, not to digress too much, but it would be sweet if Prime One Studio were to obtain the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven license and make. You, you do know that they've worked with CD Projekt Red already. Yes, with the Witcher title, they made Geralt, and they made um, uh, J- Jennifer. Yennefer and Triss. Triss. Yes. And they also made the main villain whose name I can't recall. Um, but he's oh, like the, the, the uh, yeah. I can't yeah. remember. What is that guy's name? I forgot I can see him. But yeah, he's breathing uh, frost and all that stuff. And he's looking all kinds of uh, evil. Yeah. They even made the frog from Witcher. You know that, that frog boss that oh. you have to fight? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've, they've done That's quite funny. a few different characters from that. Anyway. You know, you ought to get yourself a, a Geralt statue there, Steve. Geralt. I'll have to take a peek at it. It's it's pretty amazing. The base is really cool. I'll put them on the dinner table. Anyway, going back <laughs> to what your original question was. I'll put them on my Lazy Susan. So um, <laughs> in a, 
you know what? I need to get myself a lazy Susan because that is like the way to be able to like fully appreciate any given statue. But in addition to the statue itself, it's going to come with some sort of like steel book thing. Um, it's also going to come with, I believe a soundtrack. It's going to come with a bunch of stuff, like those cool, like future, uh, sticker looking things like I'm not sure how to describe it. But hologram so. stickers? No, they're like I'd like hologram stickers. You know, like if you're if you're playing a racing game and um and they have different types of like patches or stickers that like showcase different company logos or something that just looks stylish and futuristic and cool. Like some sometimes you'll see like you'll have certain like factions of, of race teams that like will be more industrial versus more like Tokyo pop versus like uh, heavy metal. You know what I'm talking about? Slogans? No, yeah, no, not slogans. Logos. Right. Lo okay. Well, whatever logos. How is that supposed to look futuristic in a, in a, in a sticker? I don't know what you're talking about. You're, just, you're describing something very generic. Okay. Let me give you uh, an example. So in the classic racing game, Wipeout. Uh-huh. Okay. Remember how like you had different types of team factions that were represented by various logos. And because the game took place in the future, like all the logos had really cool, like, I don't know, just designs. Like the designs themselves and the color choices and stuff. It had that like kind of techno cyberpunk futury look to them. It's been a while, but okay. I don't remember. I'm sorry. Well, Steve, after the program, you should look <sighs> it up because actually they're, they're pretty fun. So you get some of those. Um, you also get an art book that shows all the concept designs uh, from the game and you get some other stuff too. Like they have a whole spread. They have a collector's box too. That was like designed to like house all this stuff that you can have. Um, I know I'm missing like one or two other items, but anyway, that's basically what it is, Steve. Wow. So it's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Can't wait to get mine. And uh, well, <laughs> if you want to get one, <laughs> you better act fast because Amazon's already sold out. Well, I'm sure it'll make more. And I went, actually, I don't know. No. These types of collector's editions, they don't tend to, to make more of. I got mine through GameStop because they had a special going on where if you pre-order through them, they'll give you some sort of cool like medallion thing. It's actually, it's the same design. Okay, here's a great example. Remember you were asking me about the stickers. You're like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Remember um, the t-shirt that Keanu Reeves was wearing when he came out on the Xbox stage? Uh-huh. Okay, that type of graphic tee where it was kind of like that Asian looking thing, but it was uh -huh. also like the way it was illustrated had kind of a future vibe to it, that Tokyo pop kind of look. Okay. So the, the pre-order bonus that GameStop is doing is actually, it's like some sort of like um, sculpted medallion thing that is the same design as what was on Keanu's shirt. Okay. So that's pretty cool as well, Steve. I guess. Now, of course, well, we'll, we'll get to that other one in just a minute, but... Um, going back to the press conference at hand, you know, I, of course, was very excited for Ori and the Will of the Wisps, but we saw that last year. Uh -huh. and, and while I do love seeing even more footage of that game, as well as these other games, like, like Gears 5, for instance, I was shocked as to how they really didn't show any gameplay. I mean, it was like the cinematic where, like, clearly the female protagonist is having 
um, a lot of like, I don't know if it's like multiple personalities. Head or issues. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if it was just some sort of artistic expression of just the... She was not a, a proper state of mind. Yes. Yeah, there, there's definitely something not stirring the Kool-Aid. But I was really... I mean, they did show a new mode of the game. And I was like, okay, I get that. But I want to see exposition. I want to see the story. I want to see like a, a moment from the gameplay itself. But uh, yeah, it just seemed like they kind of relied on the franchises that have got people excited. But what else out there? What's new? What's creative? What's different? Right. And I didn't see it. There was a new title that got me excited, which was 12 Minutes. And that was like a really original take on. Oh, that was the uh, top down with the room and stuff. Yes. The whole like Groundhog Day from hell kind of thing. Like you had to constantly go back. Like that really piqued my interest. I was like that. Okay. I I think I'll probably buy that because that looks pretty cool. Halo Infinite. What was your thought on what they showed? Well, you see. When they show stuff like that, the bottom of the screen it says actual game engine use, but it's not actual gameplay. So you got to think again, okay, this is, was this made specifically for E3? Is this not going to be in the game? Was the game going to look like this? Was it a, uh, a cutscene versus gameplay? You just don't know. Yeah. Because when you get in the Master's Chief suit, like in Halo 1 and Halo 2, and they're charging your shields, and they're making sure you can look up and down, left and right, and at the speed you want, that's gameplay, and you have little things on the screen like you know your your uh, shield meter, and um, I forgot if you I don't think you have a gun at that point, but you see other stuff on the screen that makes you know this is how the game looks. You're in the game now, and we didn't see that. We saw a cutscene, uh, which is fine, and it looks cool. We got Master Chief. We don't have Locke so far, so and I'm glad they showed us something, but. And I felt like, you know, Phil Spencer was talking to people like me where I literally bought the Xbox for Halo and the news is definitely cool, but I was, I was definitely expecting something more. The game does look good, but I wasn't like screaming around your house with my hands in the air, um, wetting my pants like Streaking. I was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I was with Steve's uh, boxers, you know, like I was with cyberpunk for example. So I, 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 and in our last show I was saying, okay, they have to reveal something. They, they mentioned it last E3 that they were working on it. So they got to tell us more about it. They're either going to show us the thing or they're going to talk about it either or, and they just talked about it, uh, which is fine. But, uh, it was hard again. It was, it was cool, but it wasn't exciting. My biggest issue was their approach to the the gameplay itself, where we're we're looking at some random guy. I don't know who that guy is. I don't recognize him from any of the the previous Halo games, and they stayed too long on him. Right. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking I don't care about this guy. I really don't. Like what what, what is the deal? I want to see Master Chief. And finally, we do see Master Chief. And one of the things that I noticed right away was that his armor looked more like the old school armor. It was not the armor that was from Halo 4 or Halo 5. So it makes me wonder if 343 is intentionally doing a callback to more of the origins. And if so, is this 
a title where like it doesn't pick up where Halo 5 left off? Right. Is this like a new direction entirely? Um, where like maybe it's after Halo 1 or Halo 2, something like that. I, I have no idea. But I'm with you. Typically in the past, every Halo trailer that they show or Halo gameplay footage, I am absolutely just floored. Like I'm so hyped and excited for each one of those titles. And after I saw this trailer, I just kind of went, huh, okay. And I, I mean, I was happy to see Master Chief, but one of the concerns I have is just, being able to identify the fact that I wasn't like freaking out, like what you were talking about, like, you know, running through the house, screaming and, and hooping and hollering and stuff. I mean, it was just kind of like, all right, well, I need to see more. You know, I need to see stuff that's going on. I am glad though, that my, my prediction actually came true where I, I, if you recall last week predicted that Halo would be a launch title for the next Xbox system. And that isn't exactly uh, what they're doing, which I think is a very good move. Were there any other Xbox titles that stood out to you? Not at all. It was Ori, it was Halo, and, well, there was Cyberpunk, but that's kind of a cross-platform. It wasn't just Xbox only, but... Yeah. But th those were the three that stuck out to me with Microsoft's conference. Yeah, a lot of the other ones were rehashes of what we had seen the previous year, and the new stuff just didn't really grab me. So... Let's go over to Ubisoft, or not Ubisoft, um, Square Enix. Okay. Square Enix, if you recall last week, I was saying how I predict that they're going to be a wild card for this conference, simply because there are two reasons. One is, is that with Sony opting out of having a press conference, that left a, a big space for someone else to be able to, to, to take it and have their own press conference for, and Square Enix stepped up to the plate for it. The second reason being that they have two very high-profile games that are coming out. One is the Final Fantasy VII Remake, and the other is Marvel's Avengers. My thought on it was, um, I think that they had overall a successful showing. I think that they talked a little too much, like to your point that you made earlier, um, I think that some of their, their lesser known titles, you know, I could, I could give or take, it's like, eh, it's not, you know, there's probably like one or two other ones that were in there. I think there was like one called outriders that looked kind of interesting. And there was another final fantasy ish looking yeah. game that kind of looked pretty cool too. But overall, I would say that they had a successful press conference considering the fact that they're, they're a third party entity. They, they don't have a, a platform that everybody is on. Right. And I got to say Final Fantasy seven remake, I think looks gorgeous. It does. But I think they showed that they, they stayed on that boss fight for so long. It almost became uninteresting because I, I sat there and they were whittling away and whittling away and whittling away. And I thought, are you going to beat the thing or are you going to do something? Cool? What are we doing here? guys? Yeah. I remember that boss from from the beginning, and um, I don't know. I, I they were talking about how the, the the it's not you know turn based system anymore, where you have to wait till the bar fills up before you can select an attack, which is fine because that's kind of in the past. I kind of miss that out honestly. <laughs> I kind of like that system, but uh, so, but they have to change with the times, so it is what it is. Um, 
but you're constantly switching characters back. I don't know. I, I the, the jury is is still kind of out. I kind of like seeing all my characters on screen instead of switching back and forth. Really? Maybe maybe I would. I'll like it when it's out. Um, I didn't see a very cool looking limit breaker. Uh, like back in Final Fantasy VII, when Cloud, you when you attacked enough enemies, you, you filled up that meter, you can do a big attack, and Cloud like jumped way in the air and with his sword, did like this huge slice. Uh-huh. And they did some, they did have something of the sort, but he just kind of did like three big slices on the ground, didn't do like a big jump leap attack. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I I love seeing Midgard again, all remastered and and. Uh, and, and all the characters, Barrett and Cloud and uh, Aerith. Mm-hmm. So that was that was cool. Tifa. They showed Tifa, and, I, and the crowd definitely loved. The crowd was going nuts. Oh yeah, I mean they were very very ecstatic. The thing I, w- I was excited and disappointed with is I really enjoyed Final Fantasy VIII. And I thought it was a lot more colorful, a lot more bright, um, and. They said that they're going to do a remake for it and it's going to be out this year, but it seems like it's just like a 16 by 9 kind of uh, higher resolution version of like what... They, they updated the textures? Yeah, but it's not like a brand new game. Yeah. Not, not a full remake. So I thought, eh, that's kind of disappointing, but I really liked it. I might pick that one up. I, I agree. I think um, I was surprised by um, how long they stayed on that that boss fight. I would have preferred to have seen other parts of the game just right. just, just to get a better idea right. of it. But however, what I did see though was absolutely beautiful. I mean, it it is I remember watching you play that game for the original PlayStation. And back then that was like just my gosh, like what what a captivating title. Like just every world or city that you were in, it was just like, man, this is so imaginative. And I got that same feeling, honestly, watching the cinematics and watching them go through their their motions and stuff. I ended up pre-ordering the Final Fantasy VII Remake. (laughs) Now, what's interesting is that they have multiple versions of it. I ended up getting the deluxe version, which um, comes with a lot of the same kind of stuff as the Cyberpunk one has. But they have another version of the game that you can only order through the Square Enix website. And that comes with a statue. It's not really a statue. It's more like a posable toy uh, of Cloud uh, riding that motorcycle. Oh, right. They showed that. Yeah. Very iconic, you know, from the, the original. But for that whole package is $330. Oh, get it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have enough space to put all this extra stuff. I'm surprised, though, to hear you talk about how the jury is still out for it though. I thought you'd be sold. I remember texting you in caps lock. You're like, dude, you I know, I know, I, I, I know, I know, (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just gonna have to play it and see. Uh, I'm, I'm just not sure how that combat system is, is going to work. Cause I meant for, for example, a lot of these old RPGs that I played, I think Shining Force, for example, was that turn-based combat. Like Shining Force now, with the the kind of the smaller game that they have, uh, are it, they still coming out with a Shining Force? They are. They're kind of for the Switch or for yeah, what? Yeah, no. There's actually a, a title for Xbox Live, or excuse me, Xbox Arcade, and it, it just was terrible. I couldn't even. I didn't even get past like the first sequence. I didn't like it at all. So anyhow, I'm I'm just hoping it, that the combat's gonna be gonna be better. But what do you think of the graphics and the voice acting and all that? From uh, I liked 
I think the, yeah, that's actually a good point. So I did like, um, how the, the, the voice actors they chose, uh, for Barrett and cloud. Um, that's kind of how I thought they would sound in my head when I was playing the original game on PlayStation while I was reading the dialogue. I figured they would sound more more or less that way. However, when they were on that boss fight, how they would just chime in every now and then. I don't know if I liked that or I didn't like that. I don't know if I was getting bored because they were just like whittling him down by three hit points at a time. (laughs) Or and I was getting impatient or um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't hate it. I don't know. I didn't really care for it. I thought it, the voice actors were cool, that way they sounded, but I don't know. The jury is just kind of out. They did say it's going to be two Blu-ray discs full. They did, yeah. And I hope that that means it's the entire game and not like one, like like half the game, and then they're going to release another part of the game later on because they were saying that a big part of it is is going to be just Midgard, within, within Midgard by itself. So I don't know if they're adding parts to that story to kind of dole out maybe another game later on. I'm not sure. I read something about that after the the press conference, which I was not aware of. You know, I don't follow Final Fantasy as closely as you do. So this stuff was new to me. I must have rewound that video quite a bit because I was looking at the box when they had the box displayed. And I was like, oh, that's going to say volume one, volume two. Yeah. I, like, like, I didn't see anything. So who knows? It might just be the whole game. I was on Reddit and th- there was a going conversation about how there are, how fans of Final Fantasy VII were concerned about whether or not they were going to turn it into like this like episodic thing where like you could only play up to this point and then you'd have to buy like another game essentially in order to continue the story and how nobody wanted that to happen. How like if for, um, if for nothing else, like they would be kind of sort of okay for like some minor DLC drops, but they don't want it to turn into like just this, Oh, well you got to shell out another $60 if you want to see how this game continues. Right. I'm kind of, you know, I I didn't play the, the original game, but I, I do think that there are, certain approaches that can be had with like an original IP where if, where if out of the gate, it's designed to be episodic. I think that could actually be really fun. Almost like the old school radio shows that would like have the, the voice actors and you know, you'd have to wait till next week in order to find out what happens next in the story kind of thing. But I don't think it's appropriate for a classic like final fantasy seven. Yeah, I do think though I, I'm confident that you're gonna like it. I think that that they have done a lot of TLC to it. They understand just how beloved this title is. I think it's gonna be just up there with Capcom's remake of Resident Evil Two. I think it's gonna be successful. I think you're gonna like it. Whether or not you like it as much as the original remains to be seen, because obviously you're the Final Fantasy expert. You know all the different th- class systems and hierarchy and. <laughs> summoning and everything else that that game has to offer. So I do look forward to being able to pick your brain about it as you're playing it and and get your your feelings on it. Marvel's Avengers was the other big title that they were showcasing, and they didn't show too much of it because obviously they're still working on the game. The game is not scheduled to come out until next May. And what I did see, I mean, we saw very brief glimpses of gameplay that took place on the Golden Gate Bridge, which I thought was pretty cool. 
But a lot of it were more of the, of the like the cutscene nature, you know, like kind of in-game right. cutscenes that you would see. Certain things about it I thought were good, others not so good. I thought that um Captain America's character and Hulk and even Black Widow looked really cool. I really liked how those characters looked. Iron Man, it was a bit jarring for me to see them take the comic book root of of like of his his armor, of his suit, because I've just totally fallen in love with the design from the films. I absolutely love how they designed Iron Man to look in there. My hope is is that there will be customization options of his armor. So if you want to have more of that like old school classic comic book look, you can do so. Or if you want to have him look a little more modern or futuristic looking, you can do that too. Well, you know, the future remains to be seen on that. I would say Thor needs some TLC. <laughs> I, th- I I think that like overall the body, uh, you know, like the, the character sculpt looks good. I think it's the hair. I think the hair on his head and his beard just doesn't look correct. And I know it's a work in progress. So that's why I'm not judging it too harshly, but I, I would like them to be able to, to revisit that, do some more concept ideations on it. Yeah. I think they're taking a bit of a risk, which is not a, a bad thing, but they're not making what we just saw in the movies. They're making something else. Yeah. Like their own iteration, their own version of what we saw. And they're not going to have any of the actors play the characters. Correct. Which is going to be a stretch because we've fallen in love with the actors who have played those characters. And Isn't so, it funny how that yeah, works? Yeah. I, I, yeah. So when I hear, and, and I saw like the, you know, the, all the actors speaking to each other and how stoked they were with you know, having these roles. And I thought, yeah, good for you. That's really cool. I'd be stoked too. But, uh, you're, <laughs> you're not Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know if you're trying to act like him or you're trying to act like someone else or do I want Chris Hemsworth? You know, um, anyway. it's, it, there's a conflict there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's anything against like crystal dynamics or square Not Enix at all. At all. I Not think all. it's just, it's, it's that for the last 11 years, we have been subjected to these actors take on these characters. And therefore we have been conditioned to expect them to look a certain way and to sound a certain way. Right. So, but I got to say, I mean, even um, some of the characters like like Tony Stark when he's out of his Iron Man suit, I think he looks cool. I like his new take where he's got kind of a full beard as right. opposed to what Robert Downey Jr. had. And I like seeing Bruce Banner and and watching them talk back and forth and, and have a bit of an intense discussion about something. I like seeing Ant-Man in there. That was really cool, too. And it does make me look forward to how they will most likely have more and more characters that will be released because this is a multi-year, multi-game partnership that they have with Marvel. And I think that that's really, really cool. The sky is the limit in terms of what is possible with that game. And looking at like the brief glimpses, like when when we're um, talking about the Golden Gate Bridge sequence, I think that this game has some massive potential to really just impress. Because remember, this is the same studio that made Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow of the Tomb Raider, both of which are gorgeous titles. 
And I think that this is a terrific opportunity for them to be able to spread their wings creatively and really like embrace something that, that is brand new for them all the while leveraging that engine that they have. I mean, watching Hulk like leap from that hole that was caused in the bridge and him landing on the tank. I was like, dude, this looks fantastic. (laughs) So that, that makes me super excited. Like, I really do look forward to how the gameplay mechanics operate. I've heard that there's a possibility of being able to switch in real time between the different characters. So when you're, um, you know, taking on some villains or something collectively as the Avengers team, you can in real time bounce back and forth between various characters to perform different types of attacks and feats and stuff. That's pretty sweet. And also, too, if they have four-player co-op, which I believe they will, I think they're going to do like a four-player online co-op thing, that's going to be, I think, really gratifying, too. So a lot of work that still needs to be done, of course, because they are still a year away uh, from releasing the title. But there was quite a bit there that that uh, made me pretty excited. I was like, okay, this is this is really, really cool. I think they just need some more time to polish it and everything else, and I think it's going to be... Um, uh, runaway hit. So I think, I think that that overall they had a successful press conference, um, especially considering that they had brand new games that they were showing for the first time. It wasn't like a rehash of last year. But of course, let's go over to Bethesda. <laughs> so Bethesda, Bethesda is is just not in in a good place right now. It's funny because they have. Everyone who came up on stage with for Bethesda was awesome. Like, oh yeah, like they know how to talk to their crowd. They they have awesome employees. Yeah. They really do. They really do. And I think, again, this is just an off year where a lot of like the hotly anticipated titles are still in development. If you notice, they didn't show off that title they teased at last year's E three at all. It was completely absent. That outer space RPG right. thing that they were um, teasing a little bit there. They had a rehash of the, the Wolfenstein Young Bloods, which I think looks good. I'll probably pick it up. I think it, it looks fun. It's it's a nice continuation of uh, uh, Blaskovitz. <laughs> so, uh, but when it comes to some of the other titles, though, it was kind of like it, like the Doom title, for instance. Doom, um, what Do- is it? Doom Eternal. Eternal. I was going to say Doom Arena. <laughs> Doom Eternal. The graphics look. They look really good. Really, really good. It's just Doom is not necessarily a, a first-person shooter title that's my bag. It's like yeah. it's, I'm not into like the whole like going into hell and fighting demons kind of thing. Like I'm I'm more of a Halo or Gears of War kind of guy. <laughs> it's not my guy. I'm not that type of guy, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but I will hand it to him. I mean, the graphics engine looks gorgeous. It's I was sitting there going, man, okay, this is, right. this is pretty cool looking. Well, plus, if you don't like, uh, you know, the, these uh, these RPGs that they have, or I don't know if you don't like them, if you're not really into those kind of RPGs, then a lot of their show is not for you. Correct. Yeah, they tend to do a lot. They tend to do RPGs and first-person shooters. That's kind of their, their two peas in a pod. Because I can't really think of anything else that they show that was it of any type of different genre. Right. Yeah, I wish they would kind of... I, I really do want to like what Bethesda comes out with, but I mean, it, it's 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 not them, it's me. It's, I, I don't really care for a lot of their stuff, so... 
Yeah, I'm, of course, you know, I'm a big fan of the Wolfenstein franchise. I gotta borrow that from you, by the way. Maybe I'll take that one home. You're welcome to it. The only thing is, I don't know if I have the physical copy or if I got the <sighs> digital downloads, do you? Great. Well, I'm sure it's about <laughs> 20 bucks now. I might have yeah, probably so. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that um, their show overall was uh, a little boring. And I, but however, having said that, I do believe that next year they'll probably have some new stuff that's going to be uh, pretty exciting to look at and check out. It's also worth noting, too, that the collector's edition of Doom Eternal comes with, I don't know if you saw that, it's like a life-sized helmet of the Space Marine that you can wear. That thing looked <laughs> legit. I'm, I mean, I'm, I was pretty impressed. I saw, I'm like, man, like, I don't, I don't really have any interest in playing this game, but man, that. I want the helmet. Yeah, the helmet was pretty sweet. Somebody eBay that thing. Oh, I'm going to pick it up. Had some light up features on there and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty fun. All right, pivoting over to Ubisoft. So, Ubisoft did have two titles that um, I was interested in. One was the new Ghost Recon title, and the other was the Rainbow Six title. And both of them actually had a bit more of the type of Ubisoft gameplay that I, I liked that harkens back to kind of more of the, the games for the Xbox 360 that I really liked. So, um, other than that though, I was disappointed. Yeah. They, they didn't have any new footage of beyond good and evil two, which I totally thought they would show more of or have a release date. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. Um, and so that makes me wonder, are they just deciding to have that game come out exclusively for the next-gen consoles since it'll look even that much better? I have no idea. Also, Skull and Bones was a no-show. No-show. And it's like, what the heck's happening with that? And the rest of the titles they showed, I just didn't care about. You know, speaking of Skull and Bones, when at the end of the, of the Microsoft conference that we were watching, they had some Sea of Thieves thing that they just showed with the the ships. And they didn't talk about anything about Sea of Thieves. Remember that? Yeah. I was like, where was it? What, what are you showing? Yeah. Yeah, I don't recall seeing that during the show. Anyway, I just, I'm sorry. Cut you out there. What were your thoughts on Ubisoft's press conference? You know, I thought it was kind of a waste of time. I, I Actually, really... you know what? Did you notice oh, how they okay. didn't have very much talking at Ubisoft? They definitely had less talking, yes. Yeah, they didn't have a host. Right. That was like the, the MC of, of the show. That was gone. And they while they did have certain developers come out and talk about their stuff, um, I noticed... Well, one of the other things, too, is that I didn't really notice a whole lot of cussing from the developers. But there was an absolute metric ton of cussing in the games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who's writing all the script. I mean, there's plenty of other words to use. I, I don't know what who they think their audience is, really. But Well, I mean, it was like, I would say half of the titles they showed, the characters were dropping F-bombs left and right. It was, like, it was literally like instead of the developers or the MC dropping the F-bomb on the stage, they transferred it to like the in-game moments. And it's right. like... You guys, like there are so many other words that you can use to describe kind of the situation that they are in. How stupid do you think your audience really is? Um, <laughs> you know, they didn't have any Assassin's Creed either. 
that was a prediction that you gave, yeah. and you are correct. They did not have another Assassin's Creed. You know what they did have, though, was some mobile stuff. Yeah. Actually, there was a ton of mobile stuff that was in this E3. Really? Yeah. They had... They had... They had... Uh, they had I'm not talking all just Ubisoft, but I mean, other, other people who had other stuff too, like they had a Gears of War thing. They had a, uh, it was one of the, it was the Splinter Cell thing where they had, uh, what was it? Sam Fisher was that his name? Splinter Cell. The- well, Splinter Cell. No, there wasn't any, there weren't any Splinter Cell titles that were shown. They had a Ghost Recon maybe that was, and maybe that's Rainbow what I was Six. But okay, maybe it was it was one of those two where it was the, the Splinter Cell dude who was in the mobile game that you can get. He's got his little night vision goggles. Look back at it. Go look at it again. Uh, I believe you. But yeah, that, mobile had a definite presence uh, in this E3, and I thought that was just kind of odd. Like, okay, what? what Maybe that we should have our own little mobile segment, possibly in future E3s, but um, it's hard to kind of get excited about something. It's like, here's the next generation on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it, it was inevitable just because the mobile sector is is just a huge moneymaker. And with the, the hardware maturing as it is on mobile, I, I just think, yeah, it's it's a no-brainer. I think there are publishers and developers who are putting a considerable amount of their, their staff and budget on those types of games. I mean, Microsoft had something. Bethesda had something. Ubisoft had something. I forgot if Square had something. Uh, I think Square even had something. I don't recall. Going also over to Sony. So Sony's absence from E3, I feel was a detriment to not only the show, but also the company itself. I think that by not having any kind of presence whatsoever, it diminished its position within the industry itself. Um, it, it's just weird. It's it, To me, it's... I found myself almost like subconsciously interpreting that as like them having financial problems. Like they weren't able to afford a stage or afford to like, like put out all the, the big stuff that they normally do. I know that's probably not the case, but it was, yeah, it, it was just not, I don't, I personally, in my opinion, don't think that was the right move to make. I think that um, there should have been something that was there and with them being absent like that, perhaps they are planning on hoping that it'll just drum up more excitement for next year and maybe they'll come back and they'll have their big PS5 reveal and that sort of thing. But I don't know, for some reason, I just, I don't think that was the right choice. What do you, what do you think? I would agree and mostly disagree with that. Actually, I think that, they want to. Sony has a big marketing department, and they're pretty. They're they're pretty good at what they do, and I think they did this on purpose, not to give people the impression that they're having money troubles, but to keep the wonder and the mystery and what is Sony working on. And the way that the things went with this E3, they didn't miss out on much. I mean, everyone who was there really did not have anything that blew up anyone's skirt, really, and. 
and what was shown and exciting was basically cross-platform. It wasn't just exclusively Microsoft. It was, okay, you like Cyberpunk? Awesome. It's going to be with Sony too. Guess what? Avengers, it's going to be on Sony too. Guess what? Uh, Final Fantasy, yeah, exclusively Sony. So Sony was definitely there. Yeah. And everything that was cool about the show, for the most part, was still available on Sony. And so it, it's like a bunch of these other studios were were present, but um, you know Sony didn't have to be there to uh, and and spend all that money for people to know that they're still going to get the games that are exciting, and it just leaves that wonderment. Like it's almost like I, I heard this. I heard someone say this on YouTube, but it's almost like uh, if if you if you're going to play the game, you can only lose if you play the game. But if you don't play the game, you're not going to lose. And so I feel like Sony didn't play the game and therefore they didn't lose anything by it. Hmm. And by the next show, kind of like what you said, they, they'll come out with a bang and say, you know, Microsoft, you had everything at your will. I mean, we were even there and you only had a ho-hum show. You know, we weren't there and we didn't lose anything. And now with this next show, we've had all this extra time to develop. We've had these extra resources that we didn't have to spend on the show to, to put towards these bigger projects. And um, I mean, if Microsoft doesn't knock it out of the park, I mean, I think I feel like we repeat that again and again and again with Microsoft. Oh, man, here we go. It's their time to shine. Like they got to knock it out of the park this time. Um, and Sony, I mean, and, and Mike, and like you said earlier, you know, they Sometimes Sony does better. Sometimes Microsoft does better. But I mean, Microsoft, like I said, had everything. Uh, they had everything to gain to by Sony's by Sony not being at the show. I totally agree. I I don't think that Microsoft had a home run with their with their press conference. I still think that they had a good press conference, despite the fact that there wasn't anything new. Well, let me back up. There were new games that they did show, but. All of the showstoppers were from last year. Last year, they had such an excellent showing. I mean, it was amazing. Even Phil Spencer, who came out. I mean, I other shows that he's come out, he's been on top of it. And this time, within five minutes, I'm like, man, that guy's exhausting. He doesn't have nearly <laughs> I remember the energy. commenting on that. Going over to... EA. So EA decided to not have a press conference. They instead decided to focus on more of like their own little streaming show that took place outside with various developers. I liked some of it. I So <laughs> I thought it was very, very wise of them to hire Greg Miller from Kind of Funny. Um. When I look back at what they did before, we've talked about this in the past about how it was a train wreck having YouTube stars making cameos and, and talking about things and stuff. That was just terrible. So I think it was really cool to have Greg facilitate the show. That definitely made it more fun, more interesting. And it wasn't just him. And they had some other uh, folks who were doing interviews and stuff. I like the model of being able to interview. It was almost like, you know what EA did was they looked at how in previous E3s you'd have the press conference and then you'd have people like Greg Miller interview people from the studios about their game. You know, like like IGN, for instance, like, oh, we have so-and-so here from CD Projekt Red to talk more about the awesome reveal during the press conference, you know, and they sit there and they talk about it. Well, 
EA essentially just took that. They were like, okay, instead of doing a press conference, let's just take that thing that all of the, the gaming news media does and we'll just make it our own. And I think that that actually works out really well. I think the one problem, though, was that they did it outside. I don't understand why these studios feel compelled to do these things sometimes outside. If you recall, Sony had their whole little, like, panel reaction panel that was outside. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, they're all squinting in the sun, and they're sweating, and the wind is blowing their set and stuff. And you're just like, this is, this is not conducive to how ideally you want to represent your brand or your, your company. Um, so it, it was more of the same when it came to this too, where like you had a very bright day. I did like their, their, their setup. I, I like their background set and everything else. It looked real sharp. It was just, you could tell it was so bright. So that was a bit problematic. I also think it's worth um, mentioning that Lindsay Pearson made an appearance uh, who I went to college with. She's now the executive producer of The Sims. She's worked on The Sims for, man, almost 20 years. I think she got started at Maxis back in, two, I want to say 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. So she's been with the company for a very long time. She's made tremendous amounts of contributions to that franchise. And it was crazy how like she started out as a game tester and she's worked her way through the ranks and she's now an executive producer. And so she was up there just talking about the Sims four. And so um, kudos to her and my hat goes off to her team for, for continuing to, to just crank out these titles that apparently just are not slowing down at all. I mean, they, you have these, massive fans of, of the Sims franchise that just absolutely clamor for the next expansion pack or the next sequel, that sort of thing. So that was a lot of fun to watch. I'm trying to think if there are any other companies that uh, we have not covered, but I think that was kind of the, that was probably the, the gist of, of the companies that we did see. Well, okay. Nintendo. So Nintendo does what they've been doing for the past several years, which is they have a pre-recorded video that they show. I just think it is, this is nothing against the company because the company actually makes some of the most polished, fine quality games ever. But this approach they have is just terrible because it, it first of all, it, it, it comes across as low budget. It does. And secondly, Everything is so random. Like I'm just, I'm having to decipher what it is that they're trying to communicate. And I'm thinking to myself, they have an American branch that could easily facilitate this stuff for E3. Like you can tell that um, Nintendo of Japan is the one who's kind of putting it all together. And I'm thinking to myself, why, why would you do that? And I think it's just important to have, a more bonafide presence. And I get it, you know, the bean counters and stuff, you know, they're saying, oh, well, you know, Nintendo basically prints money. They don't need to do it. Yeah, I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, I just feel, it sounds weird to say, but it's like, I don't, it's almost like. There's a disconnect. Well, I think it's almost disrespectful to the gamers in a way because we are their customers. We are the ones who buy their products and 
we know for a fact that they could have higher production value with their presentation and they choose not to. If that does that make any sense? It's like, it's like me looking at you and I'm thinking, I know you're capable of more. And I know that you're intentionally not giving me more. And I'm not like mad about it, but I'm also kind of disappointed. Right. I'm kind of like, why didn't you like, you know, come out here with like your typical sauciness, you know? Well, I, I yeah. Part of me just thinks that, I don't know, this is most likely not true at all. <laughs> but I mean, I look at <laughs> Nintendo's games. And I, I said this this time last year where it's hard for me to, to appreciate Nintendo because I'm not interested in any of the games. I'm not a Super Smash Brothers guy. I'm not one of the, you know, I, I, I don't play a lot of these cartoony looking games anymore. And so it's hard for me to pick up a system when that's basically the premise of all the games released on it. Right. And so, and, and the type of person I am, um, I, I just look at a lot of the games that are available for the Switch and then they all really look the same for me. And so if I see a bunch of developers saying, hey, we really went our best, went 120%, and uh, we know we did this, that, and the other, and we, we, we worked 24-7, we didn't get any sleep whatsoever, you know, I think, oh, you really put a lot of time in the game. It looks like the last game that we just saw, you know, maybe a different level or a different kind of premise, but, oh, this guy's got a bow and arrow, and that guy's got magic. Okay, I got it. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering if that has something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah. I will say that there have been previous E3s where when I was watching the lineup of titles, there were quite a few titles for the Switch where I was like, oh, wow, okay, that looks interesting, that looks interesting. And I've amassed a a nice little library of Switch titles, many of which I'm still playing through or I haven't played yet. So I'm perfectly happy with that. But this year, there really wasn't anything that stood out to me as, oh, I, I need to buy that. It's good news for my wallet. It's good news in the sense that I can try and catch <laughs> yeah. up on all these other titles I already have for the this, Switch. This E3 and this Christmas season could not have come at a better time for you. And, <laughs> well, it just makes... I mean, it, it, And you're right. I mean, like, like given my predicament with, like, the fact that I'm uh, looking for another job right now and that sort of thing, I mean, hey, that it, the timing of it Silver works out terrific. Lining. And also, I mean, when you when you think of these other huge games like Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy VII Remake, Marvel's Avengers, they're all coming out next year. They're not even coming out this year. In fact, I'm not even sure which titles are coming out for this Christmas. I, I I'm assuming Gears Five is coming out for this Christmas. I assume Ori and the Will of the Wisps is coming out this Christmas. I'm not exact. I think that one is. I'm pretty sure that one is, but. Yeah, when I, when I look at it, I'm thinking, hmm, okay. And what, you know, honestly, what I need to do too is take a look at some of the smaller developers and publishers, like Capcom, for instance. I don't know if anything was shown from their company or Namco. I have no idea. Or Konami. I mean, these are developers who like, Recently, I would say within this past year, I mean, they've really come uh, with some fantastic games that they've they've launched, whether it's Tekken 7 or, you know, Street Fighter or Resident Evil 2. There's actually there was another Capcom uh, title that came out, but the uh, the name is not forthcoming in my melon. Don't I cry? 
Is that Capcom? Yes, I think it is. I believe you are correct, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So overall, I would say in in conclusion for this year, it was a bit of a kind of a, I would say a a ho-hum E3. I think that with Sony's absence and with some of the changes that are being made with like EA and Nintendo just kind of doing their own thing and stuff, I think there's there is a real danger of having this this central hub just be just become dismantled. And it wasn't because the show itself was flawed, it was because you have companies that are wanting to change up the model to fit their own needs and in, I just I feel conflicted about it. I I don't like where it's headed. I I feel like E3 is the one time when we can all collectively come together and celebrate what it is that we love to do, which is to play games. So, but also too, I think this was an off year. I think that next year is going to be the big year that where we see a lot of stuff come out. And I definitely think Sony will be back. I don't know if they're going to be doing a press conference or if they're going to have their own kind of show that they do. I have no idea. But next year, I think we'll definitely have a lot on the table and it'll effectively reset the console wars yet again. (laughs) It's one of the fun things about when these new systems come out. Plus two, Google Stadia. Uh, will also be competing, and that's going to be an interesting thing to see happen as well because they have their whole live streaming service. So what are your concluding thoughts, Steve? Well, yeah, it was, it, I'm not going to say it was as bad as a snore fest, but it was a lot of boring to ingest all uh, within <laughs> three or four days. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think... E3 is going to be dismantled. I mean, I think if Sony said, oh, well, while everyone else that's watching E3, we're going to set up our own booth, a completely different state at a completely different time. And, you know, I don't think that I, I, if they do that next year, then I would, I would worry with you, but I don't think it's going to be uh, totally dismantled. I, I think, I think we're, we're safe. Um, I was disappointed. A lot of the, the non-creative titles that were out uh what i was already excited about i think like i said in the beginning i'm still excited about or even more excited about you know what was also absent was a lot of the driving titles there was like no driving titles uh forza did have, wasn't there well they had the forza lego edition yeah yay you know i mean hey don't be dissing lego okay uh yeah legos <laughs> they had a lego racer uh, <laughs> that's I, I, I would say don't write that off because uh, they really did the Hot Wheels thing justice. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. I wasn't that impressed. I play most of the driving games. I know. But if you look back on everything that was, was presented, it was a lot of hack and slash and a lot of like 8-bit, 16-bit rehashes and a lot of gunplay and explosions and a lot of really basic, we've already seen it, all, seen it already, graphics. So, um, I mean, if there, if I have a worry, it's where's the creativity? You guys still have a bunch of time before the next system is here. Give us something to, to spend our money on because what you're showing us, I don't want to give you a dollar for really. I mean, I like, I mean, Ori, yes, beautiful, gorgeous. I can't wait to see it. And that's going to be like one of the side scroller games I'm actually going to purchase. So you need to play the first one. I know. Cyberpunk, can't wait to play it. Um, Avengers, Final Fantasy, can't wait to play it. 
but that's all going to be next year. So, okay, we are in June. Half the year's over. We have a half the year coming. What am I excited to play? And we haven't had any titles come out this year, right? Like the first half of the year, were there any big time titles that got released? Um, not. I mean, well, we had Resident Evil remake too. The Resident Evil two did that remake, come out in like February? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was this year. Yeah. So otherwise, I mean, what are we supposed to? <laughs> what are we supposed to do the rest of the year? Uh, I've I, got plenty of titles to catch up yeah, on. So yeah. I'm well, fine. you do. I got. I so I still have to. The play. Hey, you're getting married this year. Anyway. Yeah. I'm going to be playing. You've got tons of stuff you got to take <laughs> I'm going to be playing of. something else. Anyway, so. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so, anyhow. Um, right. I, NC-17. Yeah, really. I still have to play Call of Duty. I still have to play Assassin's Creed. Um, Assassin's Creed, bad language. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I still have to play. I still have to borrow your... Um, if it's even available to borrow your uh, Wolfenschlagen. Mm. Other than that, I might, uh, depending on what Black Friday brings for the cost of an Xbox One X. Did they say when Death Stranding, I know that they had a release date for it. Was it November of this year? You're going to have to look that one up. I don't remember. Um, That kind of sounds familiar, but then again, since they didn't really showcase it, I don't want to say it was November. I want to say it's next year. It is, in fact, November 8th, 2019. Wow, ah, ah, there you go. So I am looking forward to that. That will be one that will keep me busy. Well, I'll have to watch you play that. And so, I mean, there will be a sprinkling of titles <laughs> for the, the Christmas season here that will keep us busy during the, the winter months. But it's not the avalanche of titles that right. we have come to expect. And I know we sound a bit entitled, but... That's just how we are. Well, if you're going to spend your money on something, which that's what they expect us to do, then you have to give us a bunch of reasons to spend our money. And with that, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us to continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. In addition to iTunes and Android, you can listen to our podcast on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, and soundcloud.com slash joygasm TV. TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll see you next week. See ya!